coming for our beer again. Washington breweries celebrate a victory over Oregon beer law. But look at the local breweries winning at World Beer Fest. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, episode 130, and numerology 130 resonates with a substantial well-grounded domain. In our case, our well-grounded domain is all things fermented, and as far as substance, uh, I don't know. Listen, sometimes I just Google some shit to write this. Today I got a random website about numerology. Tomorrow it might be three oxygenarians cramming a ukulele into a dude's butthole to a rendition of Come All Ye Faithfuls played on a kazoo. Isn't the internet fun? I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I was a little, I was like, man, this is a little subpar. And then you finished off strong. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, this is, wait, oh, wait, guy getting a ukulele crammed up his vest. Okay, I'm in again. (laughs) (laughs) It made me chuckle. (laughs) That's what I was going for. Tyler, uh, what are you drinking today? Uh, I am drinking the Fremont and Beachwood Brewing Collaboration Sea Song. It's a West Coast IPA, and it is delicious. I had that one. It is quite nice. For... I was going to say, it is very, like, a walk down memory lane. You get nice, almost citrus flavor coming through. A pronounced bitterness that doesn't linger around. and It's, it's a nice change. Excellent. What are you drinking, Jeremy? You know, for some reason, I was just looking at our like a whole wall of beer, trying to decide what to bring, and just none of it looked good. It was one of those days where I guess I'm just not feeling beer, so I actually snagged the uh, Bowerman's uh, uh, Barrel Aged Golden Russet Cider. Uh, it's a it's a single varietal barrel aged cider from a one of a a, one of the relatively new uh, cider makers in town. They've been doing really good work. This is excellent. Uh, it, it are, are they here locally or is no, it they just are, now distributing? Okay. Just now distributing. They're out of Washington, I believe. Um, but uh, uh, and they tend on the they tend on the drier side and really featuring uh, the fruit. This one uses the as it, the name's just golden russet uh, apples, which is also a apple as an, in, 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 as well as a potato. <laughs> it oh, turns out. All right. Um, but the flavor on it is really, really nice. It's, it's got a really nice, sweet, um, uh, red apple flavor with just a, like a touch of funk, not ter- like not overly sweet, uh, a little like a, a wild fermentation characteristic, a touch of uh, vanilla from the wood. It's really, really nice. Nice. So it's it was. I I suppose I just. But needed Jeremy, to... the podcast is called "It's All Beer." Oh, shut your cake hole! You've been you've drunk whiskey on this podcast when <laughs> it comes down to it. <laughs> hey. You could make more of an argument that whiskey is closer to beer and, than cider. And you're the one who who uh, uh, who had us do a seltzer tasting. So shut your so such your stupid noise tube. <laughs> uh. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you forget that. Um, uh, we're just uh, just want to do some quick house cleaning before we get into uh, uh, all the bullshit. Um, 
because let's face it, the biggest beer big story in the beer industry, although there really isn't much to say other than what's being said over and over and over again, because basically every news outlet, quasi news outlet, even not remotely news outlet has all covered it before. Um, of course, I'm talking about Bud Light. Um, the only development since last week is uh, the LG- LGBTQ bars all over the country have been dropping them. Um, from their draft list, and most famously, Two Bears Tavern, the Sofo Tap, Meeting House Tavern, Jackhammer, and Sidetrack. Um, I appreciate the, the 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 Jackhammer as a name for a gay bar. I'm assuming um, <laughs> all uh, all out of Chicago uh, have all uh, uh, very loudly uh, dropped Bud Light from their draft list. Draft list, a reflection of just how bad things have got. Um, the the only thing that the right and left in this country can agree on right now is that Budweiser sucks. Um, and since even this tiny speck of unity cannot exist without a fire hose being set upon it, it seems that the bars themselves have been targets of homophobic hate mail for dumping Bud Light. Which does suggest there are guys out there, and you just know they're guys, um, who presumably refused to drink Bud Light because it's gone woke, and now they're pissed off at a gay bar for essentially agreeing with them. They're so drunk on the haterade that even the thought of being on the same side of people they don't like sends these little snowflakes into a rage. We are living in the dumbest times. Are, oh my god, are all the, like, crazy rednecks gonna just, like, re-embrace Bud Light because it pissed off maybe that's, the gay bar? Maybe that's gonna be Bud Light's salvation, just to just to prove that, like, no, 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 we're all picking block now, now that they hate them, we like them again. America. <laughs> What's funny is uh, I saw Brian Roth, uh, one of the writers for Good Beer Hunting, uh, tweeted out uh, a picture with the caption, if you're curious about how long outrage toward Bud Light would impact sales after the brand provided a personal gift to trans celebrity Dylan Mulvaney, looks like about one month. The week ending... 423 was the closest to the brand performed to the category baseline since the controversy began. So, I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I thought I pretty, I pretty much figured that last week we were at the about the apex of it, coming down the other side, and the the the, the last little bit. But I, I did uh, appreciate that. You know, I don't think that Budweiser could have cocked this up any worse, even had that been their goal. Like, if you assign somebody, like, listen, turn this into the biggest clusterfuck you possibly could, I'm not sure you could do a better job than than, than they did by just sheer incompetence. Yeah, you know, they found a way to put their foot in their mouth every time they opened it. And even when they, even when they didn't open it, they were like, they were sort of almost by proxy doing so because their foot was already lodged well in there. So, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, 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 but, at, but we've already covered this up and down and, and there's plenty of ink being vomited all over, uh, all over this country about it. Let's move on to something else. Tyler, what do you got for us? So since we're recording this on a night, we normally don't record. Uh, we just happened to sync up where we don't, started. Don't tell them that we are this. This is the magic. Say, I'm gonna. Uh, no, uh, I'm breaking the fourth wall. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to see how this sausage is made. Trust me, it's it's. 
it's a it's it's a it's a very spicy uh a fetid but booze filled sausage uh but it basically syncs up where we started recording right after as the world beer cup award ceremony wrapped up so figured we'd shout out a couple local breweries here to the treasure valley that won a medal um so congrats mother earth on a silver medal for buku which won in the international pale ale category further making me hate how beer categories and beer I mean, competitions fucking work. At this point in time, I mean, even uh, uh, even the BJCP, and it should be noted that the World Beer Cup has their own set of guidelines that are not related to the BJCP. Um, a lot of your bigger competitions will do that. Uh, even they have pretty much admitted that a pale ale is just a session IPA, and really, there's enough overlap you can kind of yeah, go either way. Yeah, but not, like session and i want to say it's six and a half or seven i mean correct but the point is is that ipa pale they're essentially the same at this they're they're i i mean that that's that's like when i got when i was judging strong pale at uh um at the international beer awards um uh last year uh, they had, they made me judge two rounds of IPA, three rounds of strong pale. What the hell's the difference between an IPA and a strong pale? Absolutely. Fuck nothing. There's no- the paper <laughs> sitting in front of you. The only, the, 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 actually the only thing cool about, um, about the strong pale category is that I think by virtue, I think there was a lot of like smaller, more obscure breweries who were like, well, I don't know about the IPA, uh, about the IPA category because that's going to be entered by you know all the biggest Everyone. ones, yeah. Um, but we'll, but I mean I think Strong Pale uh, qualifies, and so what you had was some really nice IPAs won by breweries that uh, I had either not heard of or were really small. Yeah, um, and then Jack and Shard from Boise Brewing. Uh, one in the strong, a uh, silver in the strong red ale category. That's a lovely one. That, I, I haven't had that one for about a year, but that's a lovely one. Yeah, I was like, no problem with that category. Uh, and then Sockeye Brewing won for their oatmeal coffee brown ale, uh, a silver medal in coffee beer. I didn't know they had an oatmeal coffee brown ale. Yep, uh, they partnered with a local coffee, uh, Necker Coffee, this year. So I only need to talk to my sockeye rep and 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 have him uh, uh, alert me of these things because I had no idea that even fucking existed. Yeah, <laughs> a bang up job they're doing. A bang up job. <laughs> well, it won a silver medal <laughs> at World Beer Cup, uh, and because it's so close to. When they posted the results, uh, they haven't broken down in the nice like PDFs where it's like broken down by state, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I tried Googling all the other breweries or searching all the other breweries in town that I could remember. Those were the only three I found that won. So if anyone else won that uh, is here locally that I did not see, I'm sorry. Also, I'm not counting 10 barrel. I mean... Fair enough, uh, uh, and still a good showing from uh, from Idaho breweries. Well, Ten Barrel, first of all, is Bend, um, and 
But uh, that's a good showing from Idaho Breweries this year. Well done. Three silver medals, so can't complain. Indeed. Uh, Jeremy, what are we starting off with today? Beer laws continue to suck news now. <clears throat> uh, I actually just uh, uh, came across uh, uh, this one. So um, uh, last year, um, uh, three Washington breweries uh, were suing the uh, uh, or the Oregon Liquor Cannabis Commissioners. Sorry, Oregon Liquor Cannabis Commissioners, uh, or the OLCC, um, over a, over their uh, uh, distribution laws. It kind of goes like this. And Tyler, I'm 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 kind of going on the fly on this one, so I think you have a better understanding of uh, uh, of how this works or doesn't. So feel free to jump in. But essentially, um, uh, three breweries uh, in uh, in Washington: uh, Garden Path Fermentation, Fortside Brewing, and Mirage. Are, we're suing the uh, the OLCC for us for essentially uh, to uh, uh, um, to force them to allow self distribution in the state of Oregon. Right now, the the law in Oregon is such that, and it is actually the same way in Idaho and in many other states, uh, that if you are if you are uh, a brewery in Oregon. You have to, you can self-distribute all you want, but if you're coming in from out of state, then you have to go through a distributor. Mm-hmm. Or you have to open another production facility in Oregon and uh, get registered as an Oregon brewery to then. Um, uh, essentially, the uh, Washington breweries uh, were arguing uh, that that uh, uh, this file, the, uh, this was a basically a violation of uh, of a Supreme Court ruling back in two thousand and five. Uh, that while while states have, uh, like ever since prohibition, since states have broad uh, control over their individual um, laws, um, one of the restrictions they they that was put upon what is put upon states is the fact that they cannot use state uh alcohol laws uh to unfairly uh in to unfairly uh um prevent outside uh entities from competing so essentially if you're if if you are doing something that is giving preference to your your local breweries or wineries that is making things harder or not or if not impossible for uh, out of state breweries and wineries to compete uh then that is uh that is illegal and that was essentially what they were what they were saying that this uh, that this law was because it gives preferential treatment to Oregon breweries giving them the ability to self distribute uh and, as and well also, as ship beer direct to consumer. And also, by the way, uh, uh, Oregon, like many other states, relaxed a lot of their laws when COVID hit. And so Washington breweries were able to uh, ship beer uh, into Oregon and act as basically self-distribution uh, in Oregon. That was recently pulled back both by, OLVLC, by the OLCC, thus uh, thus. Uh, uh, the uh, bringing the lawsuit, uh, the OLCC tried to have it dismissed on the grounds of the Eleventh Amendment, 
uh, which that's one of those fiddly ones that no one knows about. It's, you know, it's like, well, if it's not the second, <laughs> nobody in this state gives a rat's ass. Uh, but the, <laughs> basically the uh, little civics lesson, the 11th Amendment basically forbids federal court from mediating uh uh, in in a lawsuit between uh, between two state agencies, uh, that was thrown out for being basically uh, for you know for complicated legal reasons that were basically nah it does not apply to this, um, and so that and the so they were so they were gearing up for a very long litigation on this. They were actually expecting it to go on for for several months, if not years. Uh, over this question on whether or not this again fairly common law in 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 this in uh, the state of Oregon uh, was unfairly giving tre- was giving unfair treatment to Oregon breweries, but uh, it just came down last week that the OLCC decided to settle. So, as part of the settlement, uh, the OLCC agrees to allow out-of-state breweries to self-distribute beer to Oregon retailers and agrees not to enforce the Oregon law that limits direct-to-consumer shipping privileges to breweries that hold a license in states that make similar privileges to OLCC. Essentially, it's uh, I mean, essentially a short term. Um, I mean, it doesn't change any laws, but the OLCC has agreed uh, to basically you know, to, to comply with their, with, with the, with the request of the lawsuit, which is basically not enforce it. There are, there is some push within the Oregon legislature to change it. But the, what interested me was kind of a, 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 an offhand comment about why the OLCC suddenly uh, was uh, eager to uh, settle this mess. And it turns out the OLCC is embroiled in another scandal wherein they were, uh, 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 they were uh, they like in fact a lot like a lot of liquor control states when um, when like super rare uh, whiskey and what super rare liquor comes in they are supposed to do basically supposed to award it via lottery essentially you sign up you know they pull lottery and if you were lucky enough to win you win the win the privilege of buying this bottle. Well, it turns out the LCC wasn't doing that. They were just keeping them for themselves. Oh. <laughs> and and that was breaking wide open. So basically the LCC in a in a bit of uh in a I guess you could call it either uh uh trying to trying to keep the publicity from getting much worse. Um this is actually a bit of a a, a bit of a thing over there but they're busy, I think is the I think is the uh, is the takeaway from that and they no longer wanted to fight this. So for the time being, um, uh, Washington you, uh, you uh, oh, the, the law is still on the books, but the but it's the OLC is basically agreeing not to enforce it. So they are allowing self-distribution from other states and not enforcing the law uh, which of direct to consumer shipment now I, I now this um this lawsuit was getting actually quite a bit of attention you know in the in the in the deeper parts of the industry because like i said this law is fairly common and if it were ruled that that um that this really was an unfair advantage to local breweries 
then you're kind of looking at a precedent being thrown wide open for every other state that has this law to basically say for breweries or at least for breweries uh, wanting to distribute into that state to basically say, use that as precedent and say, listen, it was already ruled unconstitutional in, in Oregon. Uh, so we're, but it was never ruled, but it was settled. Exactly. So that, so actually, so while they're counting it as a win, um, and I, and I uh, picked this up from a uh, new school brewing, um, um, where they're counting it as a win, I'm not sure it is because it 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 basically does just keep the issue unsettled. And while that may prompt uh, changes in the in Oregon law, uh, it's gonna. I don't I don't foresee it having any uh, a wider effect because again, there is no there is no legal precedent for this at the time. It's just it's just an agreement. Yeah, which. You better bet your ass the distributors are going to try to fucking get a law passed that gets around this and stops that from happening. I mean, it's really only a win for people that do specialty bottles that want to sell direct to consumer, no matter where they are through the mail, and then are touching Oregon that could feasibly self-distribute to them. Outside of that, doesn't really affect much people. I mean, they, you know, the the um, uh, uh, Judith A. Parker um, of Parker Law Firm Limited. Uh, she was she was representing um, uh, the Washington uh, Brewers. Uh, was quoted in the article saying, "Quote: This is a big win for Oregon consumers. Stress Oregon." Uh, this settlement and its prospects of HB uh, twenty thirteen. Uh, by the way, that's and that's. Uh, one of the laws that they are considering that that would uh, uh, open up di- open up self distribution legally in Oregon, uh, among other things, uh, will bring Oregon policies in line with the United States Constitution provisions that prevent states from engaging in economic discrimination against out of state businesses. But again, it really only does it it, it only works for Oregon. So really, the best really best case scenario scenario for distributors. Uh, no. Because the distributor is going to be upset because now instead of out-of-state breweries having to come through them, they exactly. can now self-distro well, ex- or send, sell direct to consumers. So the distributors are upset, and the Good Beer Hunting article actually talked about Well, that's my point, is, several- that, is that had this been decided in court and that and, and and that law and laws like it had been had been ruled to be unfair protection for uh for local industries that would have highly hurt the hurt distribution channels and so the fact yeah. that i mean in Oregon the 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 distributors in Oregon if this law does pass and and you and as you're saying that's a that's a, a, a big if yeah they're going to take it in the shorts but everywhere else is going to be is going to be happier for it uh but i i would be surprised if the Oregon distributor lobbyist groups don't try to get a law passed shutting that down because it remains constitutional banning that if you can show, on well, what is it? If you can show 
that there's an adverse effect basically to the local economy and there's no way to get around it. Here we go. So if the state's law does does place restrictions on out-of-state companies, the state must show it has no other way to advance a critical interest such as the health and safety of its residents. So they just have to concoct a way to frame that law to basically show that by banning out-of-state breweries from self-distributing and selling direct to consumer, uh, it is advancing a critical interest. And you get enough people with enough money motivated, they can make a law say whatever they want. Uh, that's just a that's just a matter of paying off the right people. I think you're right. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, interesting development, uh, and we'll we'll see how that uh, how that evolves going forward. Tyler, what do you got next for us? Robots are coming for our beers again. I um, mean, I think that's been the theme of this podcast for like the last year. Is the is is how. You know, either artificial intelligence or everything else is 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 uh, they're they're on our turf, man. They're coming for yeah. our jobs. They took our jobs. Now they're trying to basically put every brewer out of business, where you can buy this fancy dancy little contraption that just <laughs> makes up a fucking beer on the spot uh, without having to wait for fermentation. Tyler, tell us how you really feel about this. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> no, sir. I don't like it. No. Mm-mm. Uh, so it's a new startup out of Belgium called Baron, uh, B-A-R dot O-N. Uh, and it claims to have created the world's first molecular beer printer. Um, so this is an article from the Spoon Tech. Uh, and... The machine basically is called One Tap, and it can produce a variety of beers such as Blonde, Brown, IPA, and Trapel, as well as make high, low, or non-alcoholic beer um, using what they call beer cartridges, which are small vials of flavor compounds that dial up or down the beer's hoppiness, sweetness, fruitiness, aroma, um, and it can fit on a countertop just like a fucking Keurig. Uh, you adjust the parameters and bada bing, bada boom, you got a beer in a couple minutes. What the fuck is wrong with people? Are we that in need of everything right now that you can't even go to the fucking store and buy a fucking thing of beer or fucking brew it yourself or have a fucking keg of hope or fucking anything? Um, I, uh, I came across the same article and it was and it was really being framed. And actually, and 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 actually, I focused more on a on a uh, uh, a another startup um, that was that's doing the same thing. But both of them are basically using this as a, a basically their their argument is is I mean, like well, like most tech companies, they are they 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 have found a a a small problem. And they have introduced a needlessly expensive, shittier solution that nobody really wants. But here's the problem. Uh, putting booze in a small container is suboptimal. It's a tragic but necessary reality. If you want to drink the boozy booze from a place far away, a place that cannot be reliable, reliably put the, 
to put the boozy booze on the draft. Uh, you must purchase a container full of the boozy booze, drink said boozy booze, and then you, the consumer, are left with a container formerly full of boozy booze that is now worthless. Best case scenario is you recycle it like a good citizen human. Worst case scenario, you are stumbling back uh, blackout drunk down a New Jersey boardwalk and you toss your empty at an endangered seal that eats it, chokes and explodes. And your pass out body is covered with the remains of the last mammal on the Jersey Shore, not completely addicted to coke and steroids. The point is, how does it explode? (laughs) Don't ask questions. Look, seals explode all the time. They just, especially the endangered ones, you hit them with a can, they just boom. Um, The, the point is, is that both of them are trying to. Uh, they're, 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 the idea is that packaging of any kind is inher- in- inherently wasteful. So if you just remove the packaging, um, that's it. We've solved uh, the crisis, the the crisis, the the big one. After this, it's uh, rainbows, unicorns, and little bunnies ejaculating rainbows. Um, <laughs> The the one I was the one I focused more was uh, a, a a a a a company called Canna, uh, which is the company and the brewing machine. It's it, now they talk about uh, their device as being inspired by the Star Trek food replicator, but only if all the food that oh the replicator uh, only if all the food that the replicator made was kind of shitty. Um, and you know what it might have been? Those motherfuckers survived on replicator swill so long that if they ever got a decent taco, they probably have instantly had so many multiple food gla- food gasms that Klingons would have evaded the Federation and turned them all into goo lizard. I don't know. Listen, I never watched Star Trek, which is weird. I was going to say, you've got me lost. <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea what he's saying. But yeah. I, I never watched Star Trek, uh, which is weird because I definitely have like the stench of Virgin until well in his twenties all over me. But I never got into Star Trek, so. Um, but that's what they were going. I would have lost so much money on that. So. <laughs> the machine, the Canna machine, is basically a Coke freestyle for your kitchen. Um, it 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 comes with highly condensed extracts uh, that make, at the moment, cocktails coffee, tea, or soda. Um, at least that's the idea, according to a post on the company website. Um, but, I mean, they're, the way they look at it is, I mean, if you think about a bottle of wine, you think about all the, think about all the waste that goes into making a bottle of wine. There's the water, there's a truck spewing carbon to take the grapes from the winery and deliver what is mostly water to the store. All you have to do is science that shit and add just like the little molecules that are the flavor and booze, and it's as good as the best vintage of wine, is their claim. Now, the marketing from Canna is, to put it mildly, very lofty. Um, with a single cartridge loaded with 84 flavor compounds, some ethanol, and your tap water, uh, they c- claim it can replicate. Well, at the moment, they they claim it can replicate anything from beer, wine, cider, coffee, tea, and cocktails. Now, I couldn't find any published report of the can of beer or wine, but one article in CNET uh, uh, followed a journalist who sampled a pr- cold brewed coffee, uh, a blue uh, a blue ber- a blueberry cooler, and a grapefruit sparkler, and he and he and it tasted quote. Good enough that the staff offered to direct me to the restroom while I quaffed every drop of all five, but not quite like the conventional versions. So it sounds like, eh, good, but n- n- not 
perfect. Yeah. Um, but I think the larger question, at least for me, is and when why I'm feeling I, I'm not exactly worried about either of these because while the Soda Stream has uh, the you know that minor um, um, uh, pop, the popularity of that thing does indicate that yeah there is some market for people uh, mar- making their own. Uh, stuff at home. First of all, soda is uh, is much easier to put together than anything fermented because fermented drinks, by their very nature, are hugely complex, involving biological processes that I'm I just don't see how you're ever going to re- reduce all the the flavors necessary into a into any kind of uh, in, any kind of cartridge, but. The other thing is, at the moment, Canna is estimated to cost $900 per unit. Fuck. Which, you better get a lot of fucking drinks out of that motherfucker, but you have to re-up the booze canister. That's a rich person's toy. At that price, it's... Yeah. At, at that price, it's... it's that you know that's not going to ever be in 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 your house or my house that's going to be in the that rich asshole we know who you know brings brings it out to make a drink before he goes to the cellar and gets that super rare bottle of bourbon he's been talking about it's intriguing i i got to admit the idea is intriguing um, no 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 <laughs> no why are we trying to take the art out of producing an alcoholic beverage I again, I write I write science fiction, and the whole idea of being able to—I mean, the Star Trek, Trek replicator idea is kind of cool, but the the real answer is if you if you want if you're concerned about how much beer packaging is, or if you want if you want a, a, a beer on draft, uh, come see me. I'll sell, you, I'll just say, well, I'll sell you a homebrew system. That's that's the perfect way to get. The uh, uh, the beer you're looking for, some of the time, because fermentation is unpredictable. Well, now if this thing becomes popular, how many bars are going to be like, "Oh, we're a brewery. You well, want our house IPA?" Boop, you, boop, boop. you could. I mean, if they're well, the barrier to entry would to that would be smaller. But I mean, if you're if you want to do that, that's already within the. In, in the means of of breweries, there there are companies that will sell you like what is essentially a a scaled up homebrew kit, and you know basically wort or pre made pre made packaged yes, extracts. But you still have to wait for the fermentation and make sure you don't fuck up the fermentation. This is literally just print. No, I get it. I mean, I mean, the barrier to entry would be less, and. But it also does not sound. I can't speak. There, I I looked into um, one tap as well. Um, it seems, uh, it seems like it's still very much in concept. But two things. I mean, number one, there's there's been efforts to try to to do, you know, basically, uh, uh, beer concentrates before, and they never really work out well. Again, because you have to ferment them. They, they are trying Not, to process this where they take the fuck upable 
out. No, not 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 extracts. I'm talking about there 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 have been attempts to to make essentially uh, concentrates where I mean not unlike a fruit concentrate. You you take a I guess you a add water. You take you add yeah you add the concentrate. You add water. You add alcohol, and you know bada bing bada boom. There's your beer, and it and every time they've done that the 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 flavor is like i yeah it's beer ish i can definitely i can definitely sense that it was once a beer something terrible happened to it nothing this beer did not deserve what it went through but yeah it, it was a beer at one point in time it's like looking at it's like looking at roadkill and 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 trying to sell it as the rabbit it once was <laughs> yeah but uh, the one the one other thing that popped up in my head i know some states i think idaho's one of them has laws in it that ban powder alcohol or like alcohol concentrate that basically you just like blend with water yeah so i'm wondering like how some states and some regulators would look at this and be like does that fall into that category or like how exactly well, the legality would hit in some states? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that's, I mean, that's far down the line. And as, as Pepsi and Sam Adam, uh, Sam Adams were, were nice enough to teach us uh, over the last year. It's that uh, that's unpredictable and you really can't plan for it. You just kind of have to, yeah, you know, just put on a crash helmet and charge, <laughs> which is a thing, essentially uh, their technique. But um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, coming soon a a way to homebrew your own beer. If you've taken all the, if you like look no, at home, it's not homebrewing. It's <laughs> I was about to say if you look at home, plus steps. if you if you looked at, if you looked at homebrewing like this is good, but how could I remove anything good out of this? Yeah, so let's boycott it. Okay, I'm definitely never buying a, a, a canna or a one-tap, and that's because of a moral stance and not because there is no fucking way I have enough, I have enough money to afford it in the first place. Boycott it. Because they're trying to take our job. Uh, Jeremy, what do we got next? Uh, speaking of uh, of uh, beers being destroyed, all Trappist beers are being destroyed news now. Um, well, actually, not really, but the monastic order is facing some uncertain times. Uh, and it does raise some question about what is to become of some of the most universally loved beer brands of all time. Uh, we talked about this before, actually, what with the shutting down of Spencer's. Um, it was the, uh, the first and only Trappist brewery uh, outside of Europe. Uh, it, but it was in the United States. Um, but in, that's one where the dude fake was faking it or no, that was something else. That was, that was yeah. a completely different. No, Spencer's was legit. Spencer's was uh, a, a legit <laughs> Trappist, uh, monastery, um, founded in the United States. Um, ah, yes, there was just another guy who <laughs> was trying to get in on that. Uh, but no, in, uh, uh, and then in, in, um, 2021, um, uh, Akel lost its Trappist status after a pri- private in- entrepreneur took it over. And although new management vows to keep the recipes the same, it does f- 
there there is a sense that it's lost its connection to its history. Um, and at this point in time, I feel like we should define what a Trappist brewery is. It must be approved by the International Trappist Association. Uh, it covers beer, cheese, and other goods made inside a consecrated abbey uh, under the supervision of monks or nuns, and with all the profit going toward the upkeep of the upkeep of the religious community or approved charities. Now, the interesting thing is that it doesn't necessarily mean that these beers are actually brewed by monks or nuns. In fact, there was always some aspect of running a brewery, particularly in marketing and negotiating with distributors and retailers that were incompatible with monastic life. So those jobs were always given to lay people. But increasingly, more and more of the daily brewery operations are being taken over by lay people uh, as the numbers of monks have fallen, which is actually that still works. They can still label themselves Trappist products as long as there's a Trappist monk or a nun in charge. So as long as there's a Trappist nearby, you're good. Um, well, you're Trappist adjacent. <laughs> again, I, I think when we, I, I think uh, at one point in time um, uh, we did a si- story similar to this and I uh, opened up my, uh, my, my uh, uh, spare bedroom to any Trappist monk um, uh, happening to, pa- uh, uh, who happened to be passing through. Um, I'm actually going to be brewing a tripel this, uh, this weekend. So if you are a trap, if you are a Trappist monk, um, well, first, sorry for all the swear words. There, that's a, that's a lot of fucks you are you've you've listened to, even in this pot. Also, this- <laughs> also uh, I'm like, you think I can get a job working for a Trappist brewery? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, uh, my spare bedroom is uh, right is is open to you, uh, uh, preferably this weekend, so I can uh, make a, a true. Uh, uh, and you'll have, I guess, have to watch me do it, but uh, but that way I can have a, a true uh, a Trappist beer. But anyway, um, I I, di- I I digress. Um, as you can probably imagine, there's not a lot of people in Europe really interested in getting up at 3:45 a.m., praying, working, praying, reading the Bible, praying, eating, praying, course, praying, praying, fucking praying. Sorry about the fuck again. Um, I was gonna say there's no fucking. Uh. <laughs> No fucking praying. It's like praying, but uh, you're thinking of you're wishing you could be fucking while you're praying. It's usually like God. I wish I could be fucking. Um, although, although a, li- a little side note, it's weird. Um, it did mention that this. Uh, um, um, the article did mention that the the monasteries that are most severe that were actually strictest and with the most severe rules are actually doing better as far as keeping people in the order as opposed to Trappist abbeys like uh West Malay, which was described as only a bit strict. Um <laughs> and and uh um and uh uh they actually uh um uh this uh, this article came from Vine Pear um, they actually granted a rare interview with Brother Benedict, um, the abbot of West Mali, and he sees the problem uh, not that monastic life is inherently unattractive, but there's no path for people to find their way to, to weigh in. To quote him from the article, quote, uh, for someone with a true vocation, that's it's not really difficult to become a monk or or at least no more difficult than I think any other life choice. However, in today's society, there, uh, today's society offers few starting points that can give rise to a monastic vocation. Religious, religious life is no longer considered important as it as is seen as mysterious with negative connotations. Uh, joining a monastic community has become uh, has become a big step in that respect, but 
in and of itself is a much richer, more meaningful and fascinating form of life than one might expect. And my response to that is it would almost have to be. Um, eh. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, buddy. <laughs> uh, that being said, West Male is charting a way forward um, uh, of great importance. Uh, two factors. First, um, they want to obviously maintain their Trappist label. Um, so, and to avoid going the route of a company like, like Lefe, for example, which is owned by AB InBev, um, but still referred to as an Abbey beer. Um, you can, you can call it an, uh, a, an Abbey beer, but not Trappist. I mean, um, you can call it Trappist. Uh, well, much I mean, like the, much like we did last week, um, with, uh, Miller and the Champagne of Beer, um, in in Europe, no, you can't. If you put Trappist on the label, they will, and you're not and you're not Trappist. Uh, they will they will pour it out or smash it or whatever they did to those poor cans of uh, of the champagne of beers. Yeah, well, it, the same could be said uh, for Lambic. Exactly. I mean, so. But there's still plenty of American brewers making fucking Lambics and Trappist, so. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's any American breweries claiming their their beer is Trappist. I mean, uh, I th- am I wrong? We had that fucking whole episode on the okay. dude who created. Uh, never, all right, never mind. Okay, there. All right, n- no one running a legitimate there are brewery. Few. There are okay. There are scam artists. There are always scam artists, but most breweries. Um, you know, they'll, they'll make monastic style beers, but they are definitely not trying to claim that they are Trappist, but more than that, I mean, staying to their Trappist identity, which is something very important to them. And which is to say running a business that is born out of, uh, of tradition and a commitment to the highest quality. Um, yes, there's money and you know, money just means that just keeps the whole operation go going as opposed to that being the singular goal. And that's kind of what, uh, they stress there and their ears is hope. Uh, while while monastic populations are dwindling in Europe, Trappist organizations in South America, Africa, and Asia are growing. Uh, beer expert uh, Sophie, uh, I gotta hit this. I gotta hit this last name Van Van Ruffelgrim. I think is how you pronounce that. Predicts sure. quote the uh, the brands all over the world jostling for space on a draft system. There will always be a special place for Trappist beers. Um, basically saying if they quote, if they take extra time to make the perfect beer, who cares if, if they're not there to make a profit, they want to be, they, they want to make a true and pure beer. So um, we may see, maybe we see a future where we're printing uh, our Trappist beers at home and uh, all the real Trappist breweries have moved to Africa or oh, South America. I fucking hate you so much right now. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of, uh, of of horrible fucking things, why the fuck would you do that news now? <clears throat> we talked about Martin House Brewing back in episode 75, which here's a fun idea, Tyler. That oh, episode, I saw this. That episode was more than a little more than 75 episodes ago. So remember the Texas pickle beer fight? You remember that? Yeah. We've yeah. done as many episodes since then as we did up to that point. Oh, damn. Think about that for a second. Uh, if you don't want to go back and listen to it, uh, here's a quick rundown. Martin House basically 
Uh, they basically copied uh, what a smaller brewery, New Brunsfeld, was doing. Uh, Martin House would disagree, but go back, listen to the episode. Sans any new information, j'accuse Martin House. J'accuse. Anyway, it would appear that Martin House is not done fucking with us yet. This comes from the Dallas Observer by Lauren, Drew, uh, Lauren Daniels. Martin House. Uh, there's no good way to say this, so I'm just going to say it. It's going to push through the gag reflex. Push through the gag reflex. <clears throat> Martin House has made a mayonnaise beer. Ugh, it just even sounds bad. <laughs> I checked with New Brunsfeld uh, uh, Brewing no! to see if they made a mayonnaise beer first. Um, and they uh, got back to me saying, quote, Christ, no, we're not monsters. That's a that's a lie. I didn't actually. But that, but my point stands. Real Mayo beer was made for the Cinco de, Ma- de Mayo party on May 5th um, with and sports and sports. The tagline bring out the worst. Quick question. Is it me or is it? passively aggressively racist for a Texas brewery to make a mayonnaise beer in Cinco de Mayo because it feels like it is. I mean, <laughs> white people are the worst. Let's I mean, be honest. Uh, I, I can't really point out why it is, but it just feels like, again, passive aggressively racist. I, I, maybe it's me. I don't know. But anyway, they used 120 pounds of mayonnaise for this beer. Um, no, how how do they keep a head retention on this beer? Um, they I I actually I actually uploaded um uh uh the a picture of this uh, to our Instagram account. Uh, I poured into a glass. It looks like a it looks like a sample of slightly hazy bull semen. Um, my favorite, my favorite detail about this story was that Daniels called Martin House uh, after the celebration, after the Cinco de Mayo celebration, Cinco de Mayo celebration, I should say, to see if they still had any of this abomination left. And the person on the other side said, "Quote, oh, there's plenty on tap. They made three kegs for some reason." Oh my God. <laughs> Standing at the bar, the journalist overheard the bartender bartender recommending it to someone as uh, basically a light beer. Um, and fair enough, because they got three fucking kegs to get through. Uh, and, of course, the big Dude, question that, is... That's savage. Could you imagine being like, you know, I want something nice and light. And the bartender's like, oh, you got to try this. And you get that. Well, that question, what does it taste like? Well, according to Daniels, I'm going to go ahead and quote directly from the article. Quote. Real mayo beer is almost as clear as white wine seltzer with a bit of bubbles. Hints of citrus and salt, almost like a sour, hit the palate first, which gives way all too soon to that creamy egg essence at the back of the mouth. And that is the part that will touch off your gag reflex. (laughs) If if you live in the Dallas area or hate yourself enough to make the trek, um, head down. They probably still have some. No. <laughs> when brewers do shit like this, we need to, like, revoke their privileges. What privilege? Like, go down their route to take their brewery license? No, like, their privileges to make decisions in life. They need to be put in a conservatorship. <laughs> Just, listen, we're taking over power of attorney. We're putting you into a home for people who have 
just done horrible things to beer. Um, they just we, walk in and it's just a bunch of bearded white dudes. <laughs> What'd you brew to get in here? <laughs> Mayonnaise And then beer. Britney Spears in the corner. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think she has control over her life now. I think she won it back. Yeah, she did. Uh, why do you sound you sound disappointed in that? And I and I and I feel like there's not enough time into this episode to really d- dip into that as much as we probably should. But uh, yeah. I'm indifferent on it, actually. So. <laughs> okay, you, you sound like yeah, she 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 does. And I, that's that's wrong. All right, uh, <laughs> uh, Tyler, do you have anything else for us today? No, I, I'm I'm still trying to mentally cope and process with a mayonnaise beer. <laughs> well, this has been uh, it's all beer. Uh, if you uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you can uh, find more stuff. Uh, we have an Instagram account where uh, where I posted a picture of a mayonnaise beer and a guy being a, a guy in a Bud Light suit being arrested for drunk driving. Occasionally, I find shit. I post it. There wasn't enough of this story that the entirety of this story was man in Bud Light costume gets arrested for drunk driving. That's the entirety of the story. Um, it's not the entirety of the story because there's a whole lot that remains uh, um, remains a mystery. But unfortunately, that's going to have to just remain a mystery. But if you want to go check out that picture, you can find it at it, It's All Beer on our Instagram account. We have a Facebook page where you can find that as well. Uh, it's All Beer. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, if you found any stories um, or have added your own horrible thing, uh, ingredients to beer that should not be in beer, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. And uh, if, you, uh, uh, if you like this podcast, you can uh, leave a review on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Apple, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, you can also subscribe there. Uh, get this delivered directly to your phone so you can have uh, uh, have many many fucks um, uh, delivered right to your uh, right to your ears and I'm and uh, a quick shout out to uh, to Bob and Nelda apparently uh, uh, their uh, elderly parents are big fans of ours as they have to uh, as as uh, Bob has to uh, quickly run and, and and turn turn down the uh, episode before their uh, their very uh, uh, Mormon parents hear too many too many uh, iterations of fuck motherfucker fuck this fuck this chuckle fuck many so many fucks um thank you for listening guys and i'm sorry we've uh, subjected your parents to uh, uh to our vulgarity and that'll be quite enough from us i'm jeremy jones i'm Kelly zimmerman i'm gonna go have a beer it's mother's day sunday you filthy animals call your mother oh and also i think we're off next we're off next week aren't we tyler No, week after that. Week after that. Okay, so we're on next week, off after that. We'll talk to you later. Bye.